Friends, whether you are in person or online, let's uh, read the passage today on which today's gospel lesson is based. It comes from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, and then we're going to skip over to Psalm chapter 51, and I'll be reading from excerpts from Psalm chapter 51, the focus of our text today. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Verse 18, in your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And this is God's word. Good morning, everyone. I'll say how uh, glad I am to be here with you all this morning. If you're watching from the live stream, want to welcome you as well. So thankful that you're here joining us, worshiping with us. And, you know, hopefully in time, you know, if proximity allows that you'll slowly consider joining us back here in the house of God. Um, because I must say, it is so good to be here with you all this morning. You know, if I could just briefly share, you know, it's been um, a little over a year now for many of us. And, you know, for me, um, I had the privilege and the joy of having, um, you know, a few roommates, um, you know, members that are at this church that I've been um, uh, living with. And it's been so good to, you know, worship with them. And I know, you know, a lot of people didn't have that privilege and that joy. Um, but, you know, after a year of singing with just four dudes, it sounds like angels in this room right now. <laughs> so good to be back here. Um, and for everyone watching, we hope that you can join us as well. We've been in our series on a season of change. You know, we believe here that the gospel is good news for all of us. It's literally good news. And just like any good news that you hear, when you hear it, you uh, receive it, and in some shape or form, it probably, probably has radically changed your life. And in the same way, when we hear the gospel, when we hear this good news, it's not something we just hear, but it's when we receive that good news, it promotes and it encourages change because we believe that in this news it encourages radical transformation because it has the power to do so. And I believe that one of the most important things that we really need to talk about if you're serious about radical change and how the gospel can transform your life we got to talk about repentance. 
You know, it's the reason why great theologian Martin Luther says that Jesus Christ, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. In other words, that all of life is repentance. But many of us, if we're kind of honest right now, you're maybe cringing or maybe you're scoffing just a little bit when you hear the word repentance. And it's because for many of us, if we're honest, we reduced repentance to something a lot more simpler. We reduced it to just a singular act of religiosity to keep in good and moral standing with God and his people. But when I read Psalm 51, it tells me something different. When I read Psalm 51, it paints a picture of what repentance truly is. And I believe, I'm confident, that if you really grasp what repentance is through this powerful prayer of David, not only will it reshape the negative assumptions that you have about repentance, but it will also renew your relationship with God and the forgiveness that he offers so this morning, I have three points for us as we dive into the text. First point is the heart of repentance. Secondly, the process of repentance. And thirdly, the confidence in our repentance. Let's dive right in. Psalm 51, written by King David, and is after one of the most dramatic accounts of 2 Samuel chapter 11. On this night, 2 Samuel tells us that King David, if you know anything about King David, he was the king of Israel. He was the one that united Israel, one of the most prolific kings, not just in scripture, but all of history. Well, was one night on his rooftop in Jerusalem, and on his rooftop, it's he, where he sees and he spots someone bathing nearby. David looks at her. He sees her. He, he's drawn to her beauty. And he asks his mighty men, who's that there? Who's that person that I'm seeing right now? His servants simply respond, well, that's Bathsheba. That is the wife of Uriah, who was one of David's mighty men. Well, David sees Bathsheba. He gets infatuated with her. He sees how beautiful she is. So he then covets Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. So what does he do? The scriptures tells us that he would summon Bathsheba to his palace. He would covet her intimacy. And then they would sleep together in this full-blown case of adultery. The story continues. Because what follows after this event is that there's news that Bathsheba would discover that she would be pregnant with David's kid. And then she informs David. So what happens? The king has an option, right? The king can come in a humble posture to be bold and to confess what he has done or just something radically different, and he goes that route. What does he do? Well, King David, his reaction was rather uh, not, he would not be honest about what he does, but rather what he decides to do is to attempt to hide his sin. And he takes drastic measures. So what does he do? He creates this 
plan where he would command his military leader, Joab, and what he would do is he would say, Joab, when there is war in the next battle, when this battle happens, I want you to place Uriah on the front lines of battle. And then when attack happens, you're going to pull back everyone else just so Uriah would be exposed to be by himself. And what happens? Uriah would be exposed to attack. And Uriah was now killed in this battle. It was a perfect plan to cover up his personal mess. So what do we see right now is David is fully emerged in his darkness. He is spiritually wilding right now. Through his selfish desires, he commits adultery, he commits murder, and he bears false witness. Like this guy was anti-Ten Commandments. Having this context in mind of what I shared of David, consider the guilt that's weighing upon him right now as we read verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Could you feel the weight of what David is saying right now? David has a heavy weight upon his shoulder. He's broken for the sins that he has committed. He is seeing his sin that led to disgracing Bathsheba. He sees his sin that led him to murdering his own friend. We see that it's his sin that led to losing a trust of all of his people that he was called to lead. And here we see that David is utterly broken over what he has done. But what's really interesting is that it's in Psalm 51 where he's starting to awaken a little bit. And what I love about Psalm 51, specifically verse 4, he sees what led to all of his brokenness. Look at verse 4 with me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. What is David doing right now? He's acknowledging that above all, what's worse than all of the events that have actually occurred, what was far worse and what was far greater was that his sin was against the Lord. And it's the sin against God that is the result of his sinning against other people. And this tells us something very important, what repentance is, and it's this. Gospel repentance is not just being sorry for the consequences of sin, but gospel repentance is being sorry for the sin in itself because those sins foremost grieves God. See, for many of us, we're only sorry for sin because of the consequences that's about to happen to us. We're only sorry because of uh, what's going to happen to us if we get caught. So what do we do? We half-heartedly confess. But when you're sorry for sin because you only want to avoid a punishment from God, that's what we call religion. But when we're sorry for sin because we know that it grieves the Lord, we call that a relationship. 
Like there's a radical difference between saying my bad when you accidentally bump into someone on the street, someone that you've never met, as opposed to seeking forgiveness after you gossip and defile someone's name because you flapped your mouth a little too much, right? The first isn't just an apology. You're just trying to be a decent citizen. And on the other hand, you're seeking uh, a forgiveness because you know what you have done to them and it grieves you. And when we read David's prayer of repentance, what do we see? Is he just trying to be a good Christian boy, just doing the right thing? No. In this psalm that he's crying out to God, he is repenting solely because of his heart for God against you and you only have I sinned against. See, the heart of genuine repentance it is more than just seeing the consequences of the things that cause you to feel bad. Rather, genuine repentance causes you to look at the sin and to look at the deep-rooted sin that goes beyond that sin and the sin that makes you not want to love God and trust him more. And that's what David is doing in this psalm. Look at verse 5. He's acknowledging how deep and how great his sin truly is. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Some of us in this room, or some that may be watching right now, you may have asked, or maybe you're asking right now, why am I not growing in my faith? I guarantee you that one of the major components, if not the main component, is because you lack a repentant heart. And hear me, what I just said is that you lack a repentant heart. I didn't say you lack repentance because a lot of us do that very religiously, but you lack a repentant heart. It's not genuine. It's not because it grieved the Lord. And I'm going to tell you this. An unrepentant heart is reflective of a proud person. And a proud person can never trust in a humble God. It doesn't line up. So the heart of repentance is this. God goes, God, because of God's love for us, our repentance goes deep into the sin because we know that it's against God. Yet, at the heart of true repentance, one will also cry out that only God can save them from the depth of your sin. This leads us to our second point, the process of repentance. Now, the most common translation of repent is to uh, turn or to return. If I had to put a theological lens on it, it's simply to turn away from your sins and to turn towards the goodness and the face of God. In other words, repentance is not just a singular act, but repentance is a continual process. Now hear me. When I say that repentance is a process, what I'm not saying is that it should be a process uh, uh, for you to come to a place of repentance. I'm not saying that. Like if you're a believer and you confess that Jesus is Lord and that you are, need to be repentant of sin, if a believer, when a believer says that, if you're a believer, it should not be, I need to figure out how I can be more repentant. 
It should always be in a posture of, because of, uh, I am a sinner, I always need to repent. Like when we uh, travel to get to a destination unknown, what do you do? You always make sure that uh, as soon as you get in the car, you put on Google Maps. Why? Or you want to see how far you are. You want to make sure that you're avoiding the traffic. You want to make sure that at all costs, you want to arrive there safely. I mean, you would be unwise. You would be a fool if all of a sudden you're saying, eh, I'll figure it out. In the same way, a truly repentant person is one that is always making sure they're leaning into God's word. A truly repentant person is always making sure that they are trusting in the godly people that surrounded them. Because you want to make sure that you are navigating well because you know that without a heart of repentance, you would be absolutely lost within your sin. So the process of repentance is this. It's a deep process of the heart. It's the humility to see the sin. It's the humility to go deep beneath that sin. And what that will do is when you go so deep into the depths of your heart, you can then see the depth of God's forgiveness, and it will uproot you to experience his forgiveness. In other words, if I can say it this way, the process of repentance is to rip out the dead weeds of your heart so that the love of God would be seeded within you and uproot a renewed you. Now, why is this so important to remember, friends? Why is it so important to remember that repentance is a process? This is why. If you reduce repentance to only a, a religious ask, a religious act, you'll never grasp repentance holistically. And what we'll do is only become this form of uh, self-flagellation. You'll only be miserable. You'll only be angry because you only get this one component of just saying how terrible you are without experiencing God's love for you and the identity that you can have in him when you come towards him. That's what we see in this prayer. True repentance is so much more than just a self-flagellation to beat yourself up spiritually. David doesn't do that. Look at verse 10 through 12. We find him in a hope. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Would you restore to me the joy of salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me? What are we seeing from King David? That through the process of repentance, he is confident that the joy of salvation would be restored unto him. And you know what I love about this psalm is that when it continues and starting in 13 and 14, we see this radical transformation beginning to happen. What do we see? He begins to teach. He begins to sing. He begins to worship. In other words, it's in his repentance. He is finding his broken bones rejoicing. He is now joyous in the presence of God. 
but it was through the process of repentance. You know, if I can explain. You know, when you first buy fruit at the grocery store, I did this one store on COVID. When you buy fruit at the grocery store, what do you do? When you buy it, right, it's usually very bright. It's colorful. It looks so good. But what happens when you actually take it? If you, if you took the bite of that fresh, pretty-looking fruit immediately, you bite into it, well, what do we know? It's, it's inedible. It doesn't taste good. It, it's starchy. doesn't have a lot of sugar. So, you know, what do we have to do to really enjoy the fruit, right? You have to let it sit. You have to let it go through the ripening process, right? You want to make sure that it's less starchy so that it could be more sweet, right? That's what ripening is. It's the process in which fruits can attain their desirable flavor to enjoy the quality for what it is so that it can become edible, right? The process. But here's the thing about that process. It also makes it very uh, visibly less desirable, right? When you look at it, it's not as bright. It may have some brown spots, right? It doesn't look as edible, but the fruit is sweeter and it's softer as it ripens. Some of us right now, you desire for your worship to be so sweet, but you are unwilling to go through the ripening process of repentance because we're just simply too prideful to admit how sorrow, how sorrow, were, and how bitter your soul actually is. The Christian life is marked by the ripening process of repentance. It's a lifestyle of humility and boldness to confront sin. It's the desire and the hope to rid yourselves of the sin that you would hate it and to end it because in him he promises it. That is where we find our third point, the confidence in our repentance. Now, when we look at Psalm 51, what is the source of David's broken bones rejoicing in praise? We find it in verse 7. Look at what David says. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. See, the Bible mentions hyssop several times, and it's mostly in the Old Testament. And what hyssop was, it was essentially a mint herb, and it was used for uh, a ceremonial cleansing of houses and people. And, uh, typically, uh, it would be with people that had a skin disease. And what a priest would do with this hyssop is that if he was satisfied with the unclean person and that uh, they met the uh, requirements of purification, was he would get some water, he would get this uh, hyssop, and he would sprinkle it upon him as an act of cleansing, like you are now declared clean. So when David is saying, cleanse me with hyssop, He's approaching God spiritually, and he's saying, God, just like a priest would purify someone that is unclean, I seek you as my priest and cleanse me from my sins. In other words, David is confident 
that he would be forgiven, for he knows that God is able to forgive. In the same way, we too have this great assurance and confidence. We too have a a, a promise in our prayers of repentance because just as David seeks God to be his priest by forgiving his sins, oh, well, you and I too have a great high priest that has already forgiven us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 reminds us that when Christ came as a high priest, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Jesus Christ, he didn't use hyssop for temporary cleansing of our uncleanliness, but Jesus would use his blood. It would be shed. It would be an ultimate sacrifice on the cross so that we would be permanently cleansed from our sins. See, it's on the cross where Jesus was completely left abandoned by his Father so that you and I would be declared righteous. And in that righteousness, he will never hide his uh, face from us, no matter how grievous your sin may be. I need you to hear that. No matter how grievous your sin may be, no matter how bad you think you actually are, when we see Jesus on the cross, you are reminded that when you come to him in repentance, you are simply forgiven. It's on the cross where Jesus took the punishment of our sins. His bones, they were completely crushed. So that when we feel like our bones are crushed because of the weight of our brokenness, we can rejoice because we know it's not destroying us, but in him, it's building us. Jesus suffered for our sins so that we don't have to make ourselves suffer in order to receive God's forgiveness. All we have to do is simply receive it because we know we are accepted. And when you believe that Jesus Christ paved the way for our salvation, what I believe it will do is that it will uh, shape your view of repentance. Why? Because when we come to him in repentance, we can now be bold. We could be bold about the things that we never really want to admit uh, about ourselves. Why? Because we know that we're already accepted, right? You ever realize, you ever had that feeling when you know that you're accepted? You, you feel a little bit more free. And so it is with Christ and our repentance towards him. When you come to him and you know that you are accepted, it will give you a newer freedom to be honest about your brokenness for the sake of renewal. Secondly, what it will do is that it will allow you to be bold in your repentance that you can now change from the old ways and now you can seek the new. Why? Because at the core of your change is not just circumstantial, if I do A, B, and C, I'm a changed person type of change, but it's going to be real deep-rooted spiritual change because your motivational core is radically different. You have a true motivation to actually get you to become the person that you desire and seek to be because that's what God wanted for you. You now gain true power. 
And I want us to look at verse 17. David says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. God will not despise you no matter how broken you may feel because God saw his son completely broken so that we can experience his renewal. So how do we apply Psalm 51 today? There are two things I'm going to highlight, and I'll begin to land this plane. How do we apply Psalm 51? How do we apply this prayer of repentance? Well, firstly, pray in boldness about your sin. Let me say that the first thing to do, you can pray in boldness about your sin. Like when you pray, right, as we're called to do in your spiritual discipline, when you begin to uh, develop a prayer habit, when you develop your prayer life, the first thing is to pray in boldness about your sin. See, the gospel, it assures us that God's grace is greater than you can ever imagine. And let this truth, if you believe it is true, let it give you the radical boldness to approach God, even with your greatest sin, because you know that you are already forgiven. Right? So pray Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned against. Let that be the prayer of your heart as you continue to live this life. Secondly, the thing we could, how we could apply this text is to seek others in humility about your sin, right? First, pray in boldness about your sin. Secondly, seek others in humility about your sin. Now, don't forget, this passage is immediately after 2 Samuel chapter 12, right? And when we see in 2 Samuel chapter 12, is that the only reason why David prays this famous prayer of repentance is because when David and Bathsheba's child was born, the Lord sent a prophet, David's friend Nathan, to him. And it's in this conversation, what do we see? Nathan, right? He says, David, can I, can I talk to you for a second? Let's, let's grab a drink. We can talk about life. I want to talk to you just as a brother. And what does he do? Nathan, in this conversation, he uses this parable, right? He says, David, I want to tell you a story. He says, a rich man took a poor man's only sheep and killed it, even though he had many flocks of his own. See, Nathan knew that David, right, he knew all about him. He was a good friend. He knew that he was a shepherd, and he knew if he heard that, man, he knew David was, he was not going to be happy about this. And Nathan was right. How does David respond? David responds, pretty hard. He was, not, he was not happy. He says that the man who did this must die because he did such a thing and had no pity, right? And then Nathan says, word. He points to David and says, you are the man. I'm talking about you. In light of that, David responds in his brokenness, and here we are in Psalm 51. David went straight to the Lord. When you truly have a repentant heart, you truly seek and accept the Nathans within your life. 
You listen. You hear what they have to say. And you let it intake to help you become more of a repentant person. Church, to experience a season of change, there must be a lifestyle of repentance. And we can confidently live a lifestyle of repentance because of God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I know right now that some of us may just be in a real broken place right now. Maybe it's within the, because of the sins within your heart. Maybe it's because of the suffering that is surrounding you. I'm certain there's much of the brokenness that's within you and surrounding you. And as a pastor, and as I'm speaking on behalf of the pastoral staff, when we hear that, it breaks us and we pray for you and we will always lay hands upon you spiritually because we care deeply because you are grieving. But, but hear me, I will always echo the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 when he says, now I am happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Would you join me in prayer?